0: reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, Master of the palace, I will thrust you from your office and pull you down from your station. On that day, I will summon my servant, Elechiam, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give over to him your authority. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place the key of the house of David on Elikahim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. Verbum da
1: with all my heart, you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels I praise you, I bow down toward your holy temple. merciful love and your faithfulness. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased the strength of my soul. the heart he knows from afar. O Lord, your merciful love is eternal. Discard not the work of your hands.
0: Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given the Lord anything that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Verbum da mini.
2: rock I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it
3: be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Often, we hear the term from our loved ones or friends, I'm not spiritual. Or let me rephrase that. I'm spiritual. I'm not into organized religion. We've all heard this. And I always answer, well, that's too bad because Jesus organized religion. We just heard one of the most amazing passages in the entire scriptures that defends and is apologetic for the Catholic faith. Now Jesus organized here religion. He established the College of Bishops when he selected 12 apostles to do his work. Christ established the church when he then gave them the authority to forgive sin and to act in his name. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Jesus called the church the pillar and foundation of the truth. He established the chair of the papacy and placed Peter upon it here in Matthew 16.18, which we just read, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. All of these actions regarding the building an establishment of a church by God predate the Bible. The men of the church he chose were the first living books. The Bible, why was it created? Few people realize it was created to be read at the Mass. The Bible came 350 years after the Mass. The Mass predates the Bible by almost four centuries. It was the church that kept the faith alive the first three centuries, not the Bible, surprisingly. Now, we need them both, of course. But this is why Colossians 1.18 is where Jesus said he is the head of the body, which is the church. So the church isn't man-made, but God-made. And Jesus passed on his authority to it. This is why we follow sacred apostolic tradition, not man-made tradition. Apostolic tradition, it's in the Bible. We know this from St. Paul who said, hold fast to the traditions I teach you, both oral and written. This is 2 Thessalonians 2.15. This, what Jesus just did, is the apostolic college, the magisterium along with scripture and tradition. We're not pushing scripture aside. We're using the same three stool, uh, legs of our stool of faith that the Jews used. Magisterium, scripture, and sacred tradition. Christ gave us this sacred apostolic tradition to carry on the faith through his church after he ascended to the Father. It makes perfect sense. Sola Scriptura, as you all know, which means Bible only, is not in the Bible, but sacred apostolic tradition is. So it's funny because when I hear people say to me, I don't follow the teachings of men. I always answer, neither do I. I follow the teachings of God explained by the very men Christ entrusted to teach me. Important. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. What you hear from me, this is Paul, What you hear from me entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the church. Christ gave his authority to the apostles and then gave them the authority to pass it down. This is apostolic succession. We know this from the Bible, such as the picking of Matthias and others. This is how Christ set it up are we to tell him he is wrong there is so much in this passage let's touch on you are peter you are the rock upon which i will build this church this is the papacy don't fall for that trick that in the scriptures which we know are written in greek that instead of using petros which is the masculine which would have meant peter the greek uses petra which means little pebble well it's funny because when you look at the difference in the greek between the masculine and the feminine the petros and the petra people will say well jesus said petra couldn't he have been talking about peter actually no that's not true you know why jesus didn't speak greek to his apostles he spoke Aramaic. We know this. And in Aramaic, there's only one word for rock, keppha. Only one word. And that's the word we get Peter, cephas, rock. I always am fascinating what I learned in seminary, and I always do our talks on Saturdays, and I take you back to seminary with me, because I, 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 the seminary was the greatest time of my life, and I always want to share with you and one of the things that was fascinated that I learned in church history I've never heard anywhere else was proof for the papacy was in 80 AD the church in Corinth had many problems and you know who was still alive in 80 AD the apostle John one of the living apostles yet in 80 AD the church at Corinth had many issues and they went Though not to, Paul, uh, not to John, not to St. John, the living apostle, they went to Clement I, who was the fourth pope, even though John was still alive and living much closer to Corinth than Rome was. And how John answered that when they went, the church went to Clement I, the fourth pope, rather than him? John answered, He is the head of the church. This is a living apostle laid his head on the breast of Christ. This is our papacy. And then finally, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is about the forgiveness of sins. Now, in the confessional, is it the priest who forgives your sins? Yes. People don't realize this. Yes, it is. Jesus says very clearly whose sins you forgive are forgiven in heaven and whose sins you retain are retained in heaven heaven has to follow the priest if the priest says you are forgiven you are guaranteed forgiveness or Jesus is a liar and nobody's going to claim that you know Jesus who had ultimate authority to forgive sin on earth Jesus, but when you have ultimate authority to forgive sin, you also have the ultimate authority to delegate it. If I have ultimate authority, I have the power to delegate that authority. Jesus had ultimate authority on earth to forgive sin. He also had the power to delegate that authority. And he gave it to the priest. So when that priest raises his hand in the confessional, And he says, I absolve you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You are guaranteed forgiveness. You know, Jesus passed this authority on. We just read this in Matthew 16, 19. It's also in Matthew 18, 18. It's also in John 20, 23. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven in heaven. And whose sins you retain are retained in heaven. If confession to the priest is not needed... Christ's grant of power to forgive sins is insignificant. And Jesus didn't do anything insignificant. And again, when the priest says you are forgiven, it's guaranteed. You know, there's other scripture passages when people say, Father, where is confession in the Bible? I I always like to go to Matthew 8. Do you remember Matthew 8? In it, this leper comes to Jesus and asks him to be cleansed. Does Jesus heal this leper? Of course. Does Jesus cleanse him? Yes. But then Jesus, did he say to that leper after the cleansing, you can go home now? No. First of all, the leper went to Jesus. And secondly, what did Jesus tell the leper to do? He didn't tell him to go home. He told him to go to the priests so that they can declare you clean. And when they declare you clean, you can re-engage in the worship community of the covenant. Fascinating. This is not changed. Why would Jesus establish that? Only to change and say, you no longer need it. No, leprosy is a symbol for our mortal sin. And when we go to the confessional, yes, it is God who gives the grace. The grace doesn't come from the priest. The, The grace goes through the priest. And God forgives, but it is the priest that says, I absolve you. He declares you clean. And then you can re-enter into the worship community. This is scriptural and a beautiful message. Another one, James 5.13 says that the sins of the sick are forgiven. And he says, in anointing, so call the priests. So to finish... As I said, the power doesn't come from the apostles. It is God's power through the apostles. Jesus said the apostles have the authority to forgive sins. That is the way he set it up. Again, who are we to tell him he is wrong? You know, one of my favorite passages in the diary of St. Faustina is she was sick and she wanted to attend mass, but her superior wouldn't let her. And so she prayed to Jesus, asking that he would help her. So what did he do? He sent her a seraphim angel. And the seraphim angel comes. And, you know, he is, we're in a surplus, like our servers today. I have Chris from Stockbridge with us, one of our good friends of our Marian community. And the the, uh, seraphim angel comes to bring St. Faustina Holy Communion. And before she receives, she says, To the Seraphim angel, the highest of the angels in the universe, she says, will you hear my confession? And the Seraphim angel says to her, I cannot. Only the priest is the only spirit in the universe with that power. Wow. So, you know, our Protestant brethren, they believe that their pastors wash away sins in baptism. Why not priests in confession? Our Protestant brethren believe that God uses ministers to provide physical healing. Why not spiritual healing? Like the leper. Our bodies need food. So why do we think our souls don't? They do. Thus the Eucharist. And our bodies need a bath. So why do we not think our souls need a bath? That is confession. And we just heard Christ give us the bath. So... At Judgment Day, when the evil one is your prosecuting attorney and he comes after you to point out all your faults and weaknesses, to condemn you, just remember this. The exorcists tell us that when Satan comes, he cannot bring up sins that are confessed. Unconfessed sins, he'll have a field day. You don't want that. I don't want that. So to shut him up, go to confession. Make him speechless at the time of your judgment. God bless you.